Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to remind everyone that our CMBH 12-week immersion program is open for fall application to anyone in Ontario. This is our popular medically integrated diet, exercise, and lifestyle program for people who struggle with their weight and metabolic health. Over the 12 weeks, you will get a physician's consultation and follow-up with a cardiometabolic health specialist. You'll get Dr. Appleton's empowered health report. You'll get a full review of your medical history, family history, and any medications you are currently taking, a system-by-system health assessment, including cardiovascular panel, lipids, kidneys, glucose metabolism, immune function, blood counts, and more. You'll get comprehensive lab tests, advanced diagnostics, and interpretation, prescriptions, if required, chronic disease risk assessment and management plan and medical management of any diagnosed conditions. Then you will also receive your very own health coach who will carry out Dr. Appleton's recommended plan. You will get diet, exercise and lifestyle coaching that can be done anywhere. You'll get support and accountability to keep you on track it is the full comprehensive package for people who want to take control of their health and change their lives the best part almost 70 percent of this program is covered by ohip for ontario residents and you do not need a physician's referral we will do the referral for you and it is all included if you're serious about taking care of your health please fill out the application form in the episode notes to see if you qualify or go to andrewappletonmd.ca that's all together one word andrewappletonmd.ca slash cmbh we hope to see you there Welcome to the Cardio Metabolic Health Podcast, where we teach you how to navigate the complex world of diet and exercise with medical and pragmatic views of the human body. Join Dr. Andrew Appleton and me as we give you the tools and resources to prevent and reverse lifestyle-driven diseases while optimizing fitness and getting the body you want. Enjoy today's episode. So maybe that's where where we'll begin. I'm already recording. So as long as you're good to go. So uh, before our our previously recorded episode, which is out now, uh, I suggested to Andrew that we record something on on motivation. Uh, And and I'll discuss the prompt here. So I I do the, the marketing for for all my small businesses. And sometimes I'm very light with the messaging sometimes i'm a little bit more aggressive uh just because you never know what's going to trigger someone to be inspired by whatever message is out there and when it comes to health and fitness it's it's a very fine line you're always walking between motivation and offending people but i'm just at the point where i don't care about offending people if it helps a certain segment of people and all your messaging and health can't always be soft and hand holding and trying not to scare people away. Sometimes you need to say to, to a person, your health is your responsibility. You're not doing very well. Are you going to do something about it or not? And that's basically what the nature of this message was. And inevitably, as always happens, a few people make comments on the ad saying, 
just giving opinions on there's a different way that you could have said that you could have sent the same message without you know potentially hurting people's feelings and it made me think about people living inside their own bubble and and because i because looking at this and reflecting on myself in this way because of the message in your ad because it makes me feel this way everyone must feel this way which is you know completely bogus what gets someone to take action is a complex mix of where they're at in their life, how they're feeling on that day, the how inspired they are in that moment, along with what your message is. Because sure, there is the, you know, hand-holding psychologists, you know, people go through things when they're children and you can't say something that's going to trigger an adult when they're older and your message has to be like this. And then there's also the hyper-popular David Goggins of the world who couldn't be more offensive in his messaging that manages to get people off of their butts in doing something. Uh, and I'm certainly not trying to uh, to to emulate <laughs> David Goggins. There's, there's only one David Goggins. But I do find that there is a certain segment of people that need to be forcibly pushed off of their butt and you know motivation is a is a is a complex thing with many different uh, avenues we can take but that is what led me to to think about uh maybe the necessity of recording something like this gotcha yeah yeah and of course you're you're never going to be able to meet the needs or the desired messaging of everyone all the time that doesn't make any sense it's going to take many different approaches to fit the masses. So David Goggins appeals to a certain part of the population and that works for them. That's great. Weight Watchers messaging works for a different segment of the population and that works for them. So there, there's something for everybody. And it's just, it's interesting that people take the time to reply <laughs> to your marketing post to try to correct your action and you know, try to correct your intention in your action when it's like, well, if that motivates you to do something behaviorally, that's that's interesting in and of itself. Clearly, this isn't motivating you to take up the fitness challenge of it, but it is motivating you to be an advocate for the sort of messaging that you'd like to see in the world. So it's just people have different motivations absolutely and you're you're going to strike a chord differently depending on who's receiving it yeah and anytime i put something out there even though marketing and advertising to get people into a gym is not for me right clearly the person who's <laughs> who who needs to be alerted to the fact that exercise is important and there's places out there that can help you and it's something you can invest in clearly the, i'm not the audience for that but it's a any message I ever put out there is always a reflection of me. And I know I've, I've, I'm old enough to understand that if you cannot be honest with where you're at, what your problems are, what actions have to be taken in order to resolve those problems, any amount of dishonesty in that self-reflection is going to prevent you from succeeding. And I'm just at the point now where I don't have time for that in myself. And I don't have time for that in other people, even if that's prospective clients. If you're not willing to admit what the problem is and be honest about it, then I'm not interested in you even being a part of anything I do because I know how low your chances of success are. If you can't take ownership over the problem, you have to get to a point where criticism isn't so harmful to you 
and your ego and it doesn't sh- like if 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 you're so sensitive to your own self-criticism that it shatters you then you're never going to solve the problem and there was another incident that happened the other day well not an incident but uh another anecdote which also communicates this message in my own life so my my two daughters they do dance on the weekend and you're not allowed to go into the room or watch them or anything all the parents have to sit out in this room and wait for their kids to come out uh and my two girls go so when one of the girls is dancing i'm out there trying to entertain the other one when it on the occasions where i take them and there's some other parents where it's the same thing they have two two children one of them is in the room and the other one is out there trying to entertain their other kid now there's uh, another father there, and he actually has two boys who do dance. So one of my one of my girls and one of his boys were always sitting out there with one of them trying to entertain them while people are, are, are doing dance. And I won't bring iPads. I won't let the girls look at my phone. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'll, I, I'll make sure that they're like coloring or reading or, or I'll eating be reading to sticks. them. Yeah, yeah whatever yeah, sure. it is, something to, something to entertain them to that degree. Now, this dad has stepped it up to a completely different level where he is bringing in uh, like tools and games to teach his children math, counting, physics, science. And he is incredibly interactive with his, his two sons. Like not a second goes by that he is not actively working with his kids. Now, you can have one or two points of view on this. You can realize that that dad that parent is doing a way better job than you are when you're the parent in there who's got their kids (laughs) staring at an ipad and you can tell yourself like oh look at this guy take parenting a little bit more seriously it's the weekend can't your kids relax oh is this what your kids life because like you can be the immediate critic reflecting on yourself because you know like oh shit this person has stepped up their game in parenting and i am not at that level and i could have done that but the, I found this this father inspiring to me. I thought, here I am thinking I'm super dad because my kids don't have an electronic device. <laughs> because you're not dragging them down. But yeah. if they're like coloring and reading on their own, I'll sit there and stare at my phone and pass the time while they're occupied. Where this father is clearly so invested in his children's success that not a second goes by that he is not directly interacting with his children. I don't see him pick up his phone. I don't like he he's complete. His intention is 100 percent on his children the entire time. Right. And did you ask him if he homeschools them? He does homeschool them. Uh, I didn't okay. ask yeah. him, but I've 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 come to understand <laughs> okay. that. But yeah. yes, and he homes he homeschools he homeschools them as well. He's a stay at home dad. Clearly, if this is what it's like for his kid, and I, I because I, I brought it up to Laura, I was like, do you know this dad here? And she was like, oh, yes, yes, I know him. He's a very nice guy. And I said, do you see the time he spends with his kids? And she is, of course, equally amazed and, and jealous of his ability to, <laughs> yeah. to tolerate his kids in that way for that long. But he made me think hard about the time that I spend with my kids, not just in that situation, but in all situations. Because I said to Laura's like, imagine how successful those children are going to be in every aspect of their lives if that is their dad. And in a world where people are becoming more distracted and more stressed out and they have less time for things that are truly important because their mind is scattered all over the place in the modern world, the amount of 
benefit that those kids have is going to be exponentially greater in those circumstances. And and starting at such a young age, there's a there's a huge compounding effect of that. Like he's taking all those opportunities to fill that with productive time. And, and there there could clearly be some downsides to that as well. So if if those kids are reliant on someone else to create curriculum and keep them occupied all the time, are they going to have issues with self-reliance and self-directedness? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think. And there are so many opportunities that we squander all the time. And if we bring that back to health and promoting health on the individual level, just think about all the time that's wasted in every single week where instead of doing something to actually benefit your health, you're taking the time to reply to someone on social media because they irked you. Like, what a wasted opportunity to actually do something. So, and I think that's mainly a reflection on likely the insecurity or you know, just self-judgment that somebody has and you're making them have to tap into that self-consciousness that they're feeling when they read a post that they don't like that's that's reflecting badly on on what they see in the mirror every day but put differently that's an opportunity to go well wait a minute why am i actually upset about this what is this that's bothering me and more than likely it's because you don't like how things are going you don't like the outcome of what you've been doing or not doing all of this time and if you can harness that into productive motivation then that's going to be a much better way of dealing with it rather than just what we see all the time, which is just this back and forth, you know, not really personal, interpersonal conflict on, via social media as a vehicle, which is just total craziness. Yeah, and that's and that's the point that I was getting to is being a, being offended by by the truth. Right. Being offended by when it's when it's clearly not a message that is that the intention is to insult somebody, but the intention is to drive somebody to shine the spotlight on something to make someone self-reflect in a way that might push them to take action. If you were insulted by that. It's because a part of that message points out something that you dislike about yourself for reasons that that are probably obvious to you on the inside and rather than deal with what that is and take action against it, the more comfortable thing to do is just make it out like it's the other person's problem on the other side, right? So in that situation with the dad, I could have, there's a million things I could have made up in my own mind about like, this guy's this hyper nerd loser. Like, don't you have anything better to do? Is this your, is, is being a dad the only thing that you do? Is it your entire... But instead, I, I just looked at it and I thought, that guy's doing an amazing job. I can do a better job. I need to start thinking about things that I can do better so that it doesn't amaze me to see somebody do something like that. Like if I see someone there so and, that, that and his, if his yeah. behavior amazes me, then perhaps there's things I should be doing to make me feel more secure as a father in the job yeah. that I'm doing as a father. So it's just... It, I, I, I don't have time or patience or energy for people who have a problem. It's causing them harm, both emotionally, physically, and otherwise. And then when someone says, yes, you have a problem, it is your responsibility. Stop, you know, stop pointing the finger. Stop, you know, finding the next excuse. Like, 
you know what you have to do get off your ass and do it and someone's like oh that's offensive i don't i don't have time for you yeah so what is like well it's, it's offensive depending on the context sure well some people yeah. are it, it's but not I, about the context it's just offended it's offensive to have someone say you have a problem and you're not doing anything right. about it so, or what you're doing is yeah. not working so that's and th- that's where i think we've gone to an extreme as a society at this point in time you can't you know fat shame and <laughs> do all these things cuz yeah most of the time it's that's not the best way to motivate somebody to action for sure now and it, it's also a different approach when you when you're marketing for a business, you're going to take uh, a different approach because you, you're you not trying to get everybody. You're trying to get a certain subset of the population that's interested in what you actually have to sell. Whereas the patients that I see in my office is a total cross-section of society. So you never know who's sitting there and you, you can't really take the tact of, listen, buddy, <laughs> like clearly you're obese and out of shape you need to pull it together. Now, once you get to know somebody, there are actually some patients where that messaging works because you get to know them on an interpersonal level and they're the sort of person that needs to hear that. Whereas there are some other people, you could never go there and you have to actually explore what is it that's a barrier for you? What are the other external factors in your life that have led to this point? Where are you at in terms of your own values and goals? Do you even care about improving your health at all and for a lot of people they don't and you have to be okay with accepting that and there's no point in trying to beat them over the head with a message that's you know at at best offensive (laughs) and at worst going to completely destroy your uh your relationship and you know physician patient uh yeah yeah it's certainly different for the two of us um you've you've got to you know walk on eggshells a little bit with that stuff Mm -hmm. but but for me, it's like I know I know the type of person that succeeds and I know the type of person that fails. Right. And I'm here to help the person who has the tools and mindset ready to to do what they need to do. Um, and I'm, I'm not here to to. Well, that part's the same. Yeah, that part's the same. And that's like that's the approach of motivational interviewing. You're trying to assess where somebody is in their readiness for change. Right. So if, if they're already at a point where they've been contemplating what they need to do, they've accepted that there is a problem and they're interested in seeking out solutions, then great. You can make good headway with that person. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be other challenges and barriers that come up. And that's fine. You can work through those things as long as you have a willing person. But you, I also often have people who they've, they didn't even know that there was a problem even though it's clearly obvious to everybody else, they didn't know that there was a problem and they won't accept that there is a problem now, nor that they have to do anything about it. So you go, okay, well, my job is to advise and here's the information based on what I'm, I've found. You know, let me know, give me a call when, uh, when you change your mind. Are you being literal though when you say someone doesn't know there's a problem or yes. are they just not willing to accept that there is a problem? Because I find it very hard to believe that a person who you know is 150 pounds overweight has no idea that they're overweight or that that's a problem. People, I think it's I think it's uh, oftentimes a, a strong defense mechanism to just be like, no, everything's fine or I don't care or everything's fine and I don't care. To me, that's more of an attitude of – 
uh, I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. I have no faith in myself. I've been going this way for so long that to think about even turning this around seems like an impossible task. And I can't handle the reality that this is a big issue for me. So if I just pretend it's not a problem or that I just don't care, then it's a lot easier for a person to deal with that psychologically than it is to, to say, I'm, I'm afraid and things are moving in the wrong direction. I have no idea what to do and I have no faith in myself to change. And I don't, I, I feel bad for that person who, who's in that position, 100%, have complete empathy for them. Uh, but I don't buy it anytime anyone's just like, oh, I, I'm fine, everything's okay, what's the problem? I didn't know this was an issue. I don't like, I, I don't buy that for a second. And in, in instances, uh, in instances where where that would be true, I would think something would have to be wrong with that person. <laughs> well, there's something wrong with most of the people. <laughs> like it's it's like yeah. it's like um, it's like losing your house and your car and not being able to pay a bill and saying like I thought I thought everything's fine. I nothing's wrong. My finances are in order. Unfortunately, there is a segment of the population where that is absolutely the case. Really? Yes. And. Guess what? They're the most likely to actually get sick and succumb to all of these medical problems along the way. So, yeah, we, we get people like that. But for the most part, I think what you're describing in terms of somebody who's sort of convincing themselves that this isn't an issue and they downplay it and downplay it for 20 years and then all of a sudden they have to face the music. Uh, that's, you know, that's certainly something that comes up frequently as well. Or, yeah, people know that they're overweight and that they don't exercise and that that is a problem, but they don't know the degree of the problem. So once you start to look under the hood and do some extra tests and you know, find that they're diabetic, for example, then that sort of blows things wide open for them. And they're like, oh, my God, like I had no idea that any of this was actually going on. And so you have to do a lot of explaining and educating and then figuring out how motivated somebody is to actually do something about it at that point. So what what is your general point of view on motivation? Just like with a broad open question. I like, love it. <laughs> what is motivation to you? What does it mean to you? What do you think it means to other people? Is it is it a meaningful strategy to seek motivation? Like what do you just think about uh, motivation in terms of, you know, how other people would think about it? I would I, I probably spend very little time actually thinking about motivation specifically. Um, I think it, it's more about figuring out what what are somebody's values and what are their goals and does their behavior align with those stated values and goals? Because a lot of the time it doesn't. And where motivation comes into play is when you have alignment with behavior and values. So there's something that's important to me and I actually do something in the world to show the importance of that thing. So it's important to me to be in good physical shape. So I show up to the gym and I work out because that aligns with my values and I'm motivated to do that because it's important to me. So where the major problem and there's lack of motivation comes in is when you, you ask somebody and you go like, what, what really are your values? And usually it's a very short list of things, which is like, you know, I actually want to have meaning in my life and I want to do something that's important and I want to spend time with my family and friends and I want to feel good about my health. Okay, great. But look at what's happening. Clearly, nothing about what you're doing right now is actually putting you closer in that direction. And 
it's no wonder why you're stressed out and you have a lack of motivation and you have a depressed mood and you're not sleeping well and all these things because yeah like you're you're totally at odds with how you're living your life based on how you're telling me you want to live your life so we need to change that and that's ultimately should be your life's work is to find the things that are important to you and design your life in such a way that you get to actually experience those things and promote those things and that hopefully is motivating for people to to actually do but then you get into the the victimhood and the economic difficulties and all of the other barriers that society layers on to people that make it super challenging yeah to me motivation is is a mood like a motivation <laughs> is is really just a mood that fluctuates throughout the day sure. throughout the sure. week throughout different seasons in your life and it really has nothing to contribute to success or progress and people are always looking for people are always looking for some type of sustainable motivation but i don't think there is any type of sustainable motivation it's like even just if you just think about throughout the day like sometimes you're a little happier sometimes you're sadder sometimes you're more hopeful Sometimes you're more anxious. Sometimes you're more motivated and you have higher energy levels. Sometimes you can't think of doing anything other than just like sitting on the couch and decompressing. You can extrapolate that that day into weeks, into months, into years. And if you think the key to success in any aspect of your life, let alone health and fitness, is sustained motivation, and that is the thing that you're waiting on, that's the key that you're seeking out to make progress in your life, it's never, ever, ever going to come when, like you mentioned, you have to have a goal, and that goal has to revolve or be driven by principled values, meaning there's something that you truly want for yourself because you value it at a very deep level. And you are going to create non-negotiable principles and a routine and habits that drive that goal forward, no matter what the circumstances are. And a very simple example of this is I value my teeth. I don't want to lose my teeth. I don't want to get them all pulled out at the dentist because my teeth are rotting. Therefore, I brush my teeth every day. Did you have a scary I don't, aunt who had I, no teeth? I, I, well, I'm just thinking it's a, a, most people, not everyone, but most people brush their teeth every day. But most people brush their teeth twice a day. Some people even floss every single day or most days. These are not fun things to do. Especially when you're tired, you go upstairs, you're about minty floss. (laughs) The the last the last thing you want to do when you're tired and you want to go to sleep is then go brush your teeth with the lights on in the bathroom (laughs) while you're already half asleep going up there. But you do it because you understand the consequence of not doing it and you understand what you gain by that daily hygiene. You don't brush your teeth because you're motivated and inspired in that moment. You do it regardless of the circumstances because you understand the consequence. But now it's been such a habit yeah. in your life that it's not you don't even think twice about the it. The only time you're probably motivated to brush your teeth is if you're going on a date. That's that's <laughs> you're right. You're like, "Oh shit, I need to brush my teeth before that's right. I, I go out here." So I, I another example and I I, t- I totally agree. So motivation is you know, neither necessary nor sufficient to create positive change. No. So last week, my daughter was sick. She had a fever for several days. 
she was waking up in the night and we all felt terrible. We were tired and getting up and it was it was not great. So I was home with her and she finally went down for a nap in the afternoon. And the last thing I wanted to do was go down in the basement and exercise. But I did because that's part of my routine and I knew that I would feel better afterwards. So I dragged myself down there. I could have had a nap, but I didn't. I worked out and guess what? I felt better. And I was really happy that I did because I knew that later on I would have felt worse having not done that. And then, you know, <laughs> the, the additional self-judgment that goes along with it. Yeah. And I find for me personally, I'm sure a lot of people are like this. I find harnessing and focusing in on the negative consequences is very powerful. Like when I think about exercising every day, even when I don't want to, and to be honest, in a seven-day week, two days – I'll feel really good about working out and really want to get at it. The other five days, I need to drag myself into starting that workout a little bit. But I know it's not like, oh, I work out because it makes me feel great. No, I work out because I know not doing it makes me feel not great. Totally. And I don't want to feel not great. So yeah. I do the exercise. And start. the only difficulty, the only barrier is beginning. Once people it's, – it's like your room is dirty – the hardest part is the first step towards making your bed. Not the, the not everything else that comes after that, but like the decision and action that first begins the process of cleaning your room is the most difficult part. The, the workout isn't the hard part. The first two minutes of the workout is the hard part and the decision and the commitment to do it. Like working, writing, whatever it is, any of these things that, that people manage to find a way to do but most people don't because it's difficult. The word, the ongoing work is not the difficult part. It's the first minute of any task you do that isn't pleasurable, that isn't stimulating, which is everything that really contributes something to you in your life and your future. It's that first minute that's the most painful. And you're never going to find – it's not like – uh, I'm really unmotivated to work out. I'm going to go watch a 10-minute long blockbuster movie trailer. It's going to get me in the mood and I'll fire it up to work out. No, you just go and you start no matter how you feel. And once you start, it, it, it just it, you will naturally continue on through that activity. As long as there's purpose and it's important to you. And in the field of positive psychology – one of the important things is engagement, which means getting into an activity that is valuable to you. So something that you actually want to do, you think is important. Once you get into it and you're engaged in that activity, like we've all had that sort of flow state sensation where you, there's no concept of time. All of a sudden it's an hour later and you're like, whoa, what just happened? I, don't, I feel like no time passed at all because you were doing something that you actually knew was important to you and you got engaged in that activity. So yes, if you can get over that initial hurdle of just starting the thing, then it'll it'll feel great and it will flow. Yeah, so what do you say? But I, I wonder if that's really what the issue is at the end of the day, is people who want something but they don't value it. You know, they want health, but they don't really, really there's not really a core value. They, they, they want some sort of superficial goal, but there's nothing really underneath it that's that's solid enough to drive it. Like when yeah, you think, because so say- everybody wants everybody wants the thing, right? Yeah. But do you want 
if you don't want the work, is it really a value? Yeah. You know what I mean? So like you, if have, you, you want you do... want you want kids that are e- that are easy as you know they get older and they're they're <laughs> well emotion they're they're well you know emotionally regulated. You want them to be successful when they're adults, but you don't want any of the day to day. You don't want to read to them, right? You don't want to spend the time trying to help them work through their temper tantrum rather than just like dragging them by their hair up until the room and locking the door, right? <laughs> you don't want to do, if you don't want to do any of the work that is a requirement for the goal, do you really want the goal? Or is it, or should I say, is it really of, is it really a value? Like, is that part of your value system or is it just something that you want? Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, but it's, if, if, so you need to actually do some work to figure out what are your true core values. So vanity is not value. You know, it's, yeah, it's great. Like if you feel good, if, if you look good and, you know, you've got nice clothes and a great outfit and all this stuff and, you know, you've got, you got some abs, great. That's not a core value. That's not ultimately something that is going to bring you meaning as you age. So there's, uh, who was it? Dave, David Brooks, The Road to Character, is about sort of the difference between the surface level virtues and then what he calls eulogy virtues. So what are the things that are important to you where somebody at your funeral is going to stand up and talk about what a great person you were because you were a wonderful parent and you cared and you contributed to your community and you created something of value to society. Those are true core values that have meaning. And so it takes a bit of exploration to actually figure out what those things are. And once you know, then you can pick and choose the other stuff in your life that's going to help you enhance your ability to get to those things. And so health, as I, I, I always break it down. So health is about function. So you need to have a good functional physical body, but well-being is experiential. So that's the actual experience of living and what you get from the meaning and purpose of the things that you do. You need to have good health and good function in order to support your ongoing experience of well-being and attainment of well-being. And it's, so it's the values and the virtues that are going to bring you the well-being, but it's the health that's going to help you get there. And so that's why things like the, all the cardiometabolic stuff that we talk about and the importance of doing these things and taking care of your body and being healthy is so crucial so that you can live the best possible life of well-being over the long term. If you don't care and you want all that up front and you just want to do great, awesome, experiential things right now and you don't care if, you know, you paraglide into the side of a building then cool good on you (laughs) but i mean it 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 really does you have to align these things and so that's where it takes yes it's nice to have the to look great because you you work out and and eat properly but that's more of like a, a fringe benefit on top of what you're actually aiming for do you think for some people the the superficial goal is a necessary lead measure to to build the value, for instance. It can be. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure most people know what I'm talking about, but I want a six pack, right? For what, for purely, for reasons of pure vanity, I want to look good at the beach with a shirt off. 
and this person has never really exercised or thought about their nutrition, but they really want that six pack. Can that superficial goal be strong enough that when the person starts doing the necessary work of exercise and nutrition that they, they, they start to value and love the work? and the way that the new way that they eat and take care of themselves and the, the way that they move their body on a regular basis. And then the value begins to, to switch from the superficial to, to the more internal value system. Or do you think that's, that's an unlikely event? I think it's an unlikely event. Yeah. Do you think, think it has think to happen be, in the reverse? I think because there are, so, there are so many not helpful or potentially harmful ways to go about attaining any specific superficial goal. So you could basically just starve yourself and become anorexic and you'll get a six pack. That's not healthy. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not in keeping with good intrinsic values and potentially risks developing a mental health disorder. That's not helpful. So, I, I mean, it, it certainly can and I think probably by accident people will end up in that situation where they're like you know what I actually I, I do love this or like I see my friends doing it and I was just envious and I wanted to get in and be more social and and do something with them and it turns out I really love that activity and I learned more about it and I kind of built my life around that because it became really important to me that's cool and that probably happens a fair bit but it's not it's, it's unlikely intentional how much of the barrier between someone wanting wanting a goal or even wanting to just take the actions necessary towards that goal in a sincere way and actually being able to take the nexus uh, the necessary steps how much of uh, of that barrier do you think just has to do with people being so stressed out and low energy and overwhelmed that the thought of even taking on new tasks and new habits and routines is just not something that they can even fathom emotionally well it's a huge problem in society so what sure. do you do about it's that daunting. like when when someone when someone let's say in the rare instance where where a person really wants to achieve something for themselves in any aspect of life they know what the necessary work is they understand what they're going to have to do and they're willing to take those steps but they're in this place where what has to be done is so daunting that to start taking those steps is just not something that they can psychologically deal with. What, how do you advise that person? Because I think when people think about motivation, that's what they're referring to is I want the thing I'm willing to do the work, but I just can't bring myself to do it. I need, like, I need motivation to do the thing that I'm willing to do to get the thing that I want to get. What do you, what do you, what can you say to that person that is helpful? Yeah. I don't have many of those clients because there's <laughs> so many upfront challenges that we uh, we deal with. But um, I mean, I, I guess that's that's where mentorship comes in. Like, if if you really want something and there's going to be an, a series of steps, and you're a true novice and you don't know how to go about it, you need to find somebody who's been through that journey and process before, and let them guide you al- along the way and make sure that that's a a good productive working relationship and just be willing to accept that it's not all going to happen at once everything takes longer than you expect it to in the first place and there's going to be setbacks along the way but that's okay that's part of the process and in fact that's part of the challenge and having a growth mindset 
And if you're willing to, if you're truly willing to put in the work and commit yourself to it, then you also need to look at what's going on in the rest of your life and be willing to take some risks and let some other stuff go. Uh, you know, I, the whole economic model of society that makes people slaves to their jobs is really perverse in many ways when it comes to health and well-being because people truly feel like, I mean, if I don't, if I don't have this job, then I can't do anything. I can't put food on the table. I can't keep a roof over my head. That's very scary. So you need to think about that. Think about the practical reality and ability to survive and thrive, but then also be willing to maybe take a year off if you really want to do something big and pursue that. And that's okay. I mean, some people are in a situation where you can actually take a leave of absence for a year. And as long as you set yourself up accordingly and are able to make it through that year economically okay, you've got a job to go back to at the end of it. And you've had a wonderful opportunity that you otherwise would have had to wait until retirement when things might be worse or you don't have as much of an ability to enjoy those aspects of your life at a particular time. So it's, yeah, I don't know. It's complex case by case, but uh, I think people need to be, people are much more capable of doing amazing things than they maybe want to believe. And just believing that and believing in your ability to achieve things by giving yourself the opportunity, you can do amazing stuff. Yeah, I think those things all certainly play a role and stuff like having a growth mindset, which I don't know how much how much of that is, is truly within a person's control at any given point in their life. But I try and tell people, if everything you do or are willing to do or say that you will do is just a means to an end, it's, you'll never succeed. And if you do, you'll never maintain that success. Meaning, if you exercise not because you find any joy in the actual activity you're doing, you don't feel any immediate you know, elevation or gratification when you're done an exercise session, or if you're not doing some sort of exercise that's with other people where there's like a social aspect that's fun for you or a competitive aspect that, uh, that, that makes you forget about the exercise while you're playing the game of exercise. If there's none of that, what makes you think you're going to exercise for a long-term period of time? Because anyone can grind it out for a certain period. Yep. You know, if, if you know this is going to lead to losing 50 pounds, you can do exercise that you hate every single day for a month, for two months, for maybe six months. But eventually, it's all going to fall apart and you're going to lose whatever you gained by just torturing yourself. Or gain whatever you lost. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. If you want to be more accurate. So when it comes to the foods that you eat, like there has to be some amount of joy in cooking and taking care of yourself in growing, like grow some of your own food, like experiment at the grocery store, find it fun to go like buy and try new things, learning recipes. Like there's got to be something there that you can find. It doesn't have to be joy, but some sort of satisfaction. In. And same thing. With exercise, if, if, if exercise is just torture to you and the thought and the thought of sweating, you know, gives you anxiety, then there's no way that you're going to succeed in any sort of exercise plan. So it's like it, the one part of it is you have to better just has to be better. 
right? You can't set expectations of reaching this thing by this time. It's just, this is my goal. I know what I have to do to reach it. I'm going to do the best I can every single day and no day has to be perfect, but every day I'm going to try whatever my capacity is and be okay with that. And then the next day I'm going to try again and the next day I'm going to try again. But then also there has to be some sort of intrinsic value and satisfaction coming from the actions that you take every day. Otherwise, it's completely unsustainable. No person is just going to do something that they don't want to do, that they get nothing out of every single day for the rest of their life. So I don't know if that's something that has to happen immediately or if that's something you have to learn to do along the way or a combination of the two or either or. I don't know that has to be one way or the other. But along that timeline, you've got a there there has to be an element of satisfaction in the things you do for yourself every day or it's just it's never going to work out. Yeah, I think a lot of it is learned for sure, just through experiences, through failures and recalibrating and going about something a different way. Uh, If you have the idea that it's important enough and, and you're willing to stick to it, then it's it's finding those challenges that matter to you where you know, there's there's a lot of meaning in life to be had and you need a, a sick playlist to work yeah. out too. you need a banging playlist okay anything else on motivation uh i don't think so <laughs> it's a very motivating ending content provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the providing of medical advice and is not intended to be a substitute for independent professional medical judgment, advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I mean, clearly not when I'm speaking. I'm not a doctor, but that goes for the real doctor, Dr. Appleton as well. You should always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions or concerns you may have regarding your health. You should never disregard or delay seeking medical advice relating to treatment or standard of care because of information contained in or transmitted, huh? transmitted? Yes, information contained in or transmitted in this podcast. <laughs>